Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Breakfast with Boz. This is Breakfast with Boz Detours. I'm your host, Ian Boswell. Today's episode being served by Wahoo. I am here in northern Vermont at my house in Peachum. I'm here with my younger brother, Austin. Austin, you want to say hello? Hey, everyone. How are we doing? We're doing well, Austin. Austin is a substitute teacher right now down in Nashville. The schools down there have been canceled, so Austin's decided to come up and pass the corona time here with me and Gretchen in Vermont. Austin, what are you working on outside to pass the time? Building a log lean-to, kind of like a log cabin, just open front. So I guess a Northeast traditional structure, so an Adirondack lean-to. That's right. I've been helping him with my free time, but he's definitely been doing the bulk of the lifting. And since this is Breakfast with Boz, Austin, what are we cooking up for breakfast this morning? Something that's going to keep us fueled uh, lifting all those logs out there. So I think for me, half pound of sausage, three eggs, a couple potatoes, and a big chunk of cheese. Well, there you have it. Not the typical athlete breakfast, but if you're out working in the woods, logging big trees around and stacking them to make a log cabin, maybe that's what you need. Thanks, Austin. Enjoy the show, folks. Bye. This is a special episode of Breakfast with Boz, Detours. We're going to be detouring off our traditional path today, and we're going to be talking about coronavirus and its impact on cycling at large. We're going to be speaking to a few different people in different walks of the cycling community. We're going to be hearing from world tour riders Larry Warbass and Tiffany Cromwell, both in the world tour, both over in Europe right now. We're going to be hearing from Amity Rockwell, a fellow Wahoo Frontiers athlete, we're going to be speaking to Heidi Myers. She is the race promoter and director of Raspatitsa, a gravel event here in Vermont that has been postponed. And lastly, we are going to be hearing from Matt Kaysen, who is the senior sports physiologist at the Wahoo Sports Science Center. So stay tuned, everyone, and listen to the show. Our first guest on the show today is my good pal, Larry Warbass. Larry is a world tour rider with AG2R Le Mondial. When I spoke to Larry, he is up at Isola 2000, an altitude training facility just outside Nice, France. The irony being, we used to call it Isola 2000, Isolation 2000. It's a ski resort, relatively unknown. It is close to Nice, which makes it convenient for athletes in Nice, Monaco area to drive up there, spend some time at altitude, but there's not much going on up there. There have been times that Larry and I have spent weeks up at training camp and not seeing anyone other than each other. Probably a great place to be during this time. So Larry's up there training, doing some work inside, still able to ride outside. So now let's hear from my good friend, Larry Warbass. How are you, man? Yeah, not too bad. A uh, little bit tired, but other than that, all good. Where are you at? I'm in Isla 2000. You know it well. Does it feel like isolation 2000 right now? Not many people up there? There's actually a decent amount of people because just till two days ago, the resort was open. And so, okay, pretty much all the tourists left, but a lot of the people working here are still here. So how long are you planning to stay up there for? Two weeks, I think. <laughs> Just probably till the quarantine or the lockdown here ends. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's crazy. Well, I was over there, what, two weeks ago, and all this coronavirus stuff was kind of just coming to Italy and then now obviously France. Yeah, it's amazing how much has changed in the last 10 days. I know, it's insane. I mean, I think the U.S. is headed in the same direction we are, so I'm sure you guys are about a week or 10 days behind us, so 
uh, you have some not so exciting next few weeks to look forward to, I think. Well, so what's it look like in France? I know there's a nationwide lockdown that Macron implemented. So are you still allowed to go out and train on the roads? Yeah. So for the moment, they say uh, we're allowed to train outside. I mean, it's a bit vague because Macron said everyone can go exercise, you know, and then in terms of cyclists, it's our job. So for the moment, we believe we can train and everyone went training today and no one had a problem. So I hope it continues in the same direction. And have you had any communication with your team or race organizers or any just like gossip or rumors from within the peloton of you know, what races are looking at going forward and what races are definitely not happening. I saw today that the Flemish Ardennes or the Flemish Classics and the Ardennes Classics have both been scrapped. I mean, the Giro is already looking like it's going to be postponed or changed. Do you have any clarity on when racing may return? No, I don't think anyone really knows. But what it sounds like is maybe in June, but... I think it's going to be a while, that's for sure. So I think June is probably currently going to be the best case scenario. When I was at your house, you're not opposed to training indoors, but is that something that you've considered doing more of, is doing more indoor training due to just potential running into people or if the police ever got to the point where the country as a whole did go on lockdown and you weren't allowed to leave? Is that something you're prepared for? I'm sure you brought a trainer up to up to altitude. Yeah, absolutely. I brought my Wahoo kicker up here. Yeah, if we get locked in for sure, I'll definitely be training on it all the time. Currently, I like to just set it up and do some rides on it before breakfast. You know, I go on Zwift quite a bit. And so, yeah, I really enjoy it. You know, I'm going to train outside as long as I can. And then if they change the rules and they say we can't, then Oh, yeah, I'll definitely be full speed ahead on Zwift. <laughs> so this hasn't changed your training at all. I mean, you're, you've spoken with your coach and you're still training relatively normal, like racing could resume at any point. Or have you made adaptions to your training, toning back the intensity? Or when I mean, you're at altitudes, you're getting that stimulation from being up there. But how's your training changed based off of just the lack of knowledge of what's coming up as far as racing? I would say, uh, you know, maybe we tone down the intensity just slightly. Like we just maybe aren't doing as super high intensity stuff as we would have before, but I'm still actually training super hard. Like I did like 620 today with like more than 4,000 meters of climbing and, you know, some effort. So I'm still training like, you know, if there were races next, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I think I'd be flying. But yeah, it's more just like I'm keeping on training hard at the moment, anticipating that we could be potentially further locked down, you know, which then we'll have to change our training and go more inside and probably won't be able to do the same volume if that happens. True, true. Well, you're up there with uh, Will Barta as well. What's he what's his take on all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all worried about it. So, you know, I think he doesn't know exactly what to think either, which is what most guys are feeling at the moment. You know, we're just kind of happy to be out of the city and like in the mountains where it's pretty calm and peaceful up here because it was pretty stressful in Nice. Yeah, here it's just a slower, easier life and you know, it's just beautiful and you're in nature. And so it's like, if you're going to be stuck somewhere for a couple of weeks, it's not the worst place to be stuck. Was there any consideration when Trump announced the European travel restrictions? Did 
did yourself or any of, you know, did Will or Mateo or any of the other Americans over in Nice look at flying home? I know that TJ came back and I think Lawson's on his way home. Was that something you thought about with flying back to the U.S.? Yeah, it doesn't really look like anyone uh, here decided to go back to the U.S. I think I was probably the one who considered it the most. But in the end, you know, I guess in my head, I think the U.S. is going to head in the exact same direction as we are. Cool, man. And I know you're a fan of meditation. Have you been doing more meditation during this time? I mean, being up at altitude, maybe having more free time. Has that been something you've been resorting to for some peace of mind and kind of solidarity? Absolutely. So it's actually kind of funny because I haven't been doing more of it, but uh Yeah, I meditated this morning and, you know, I definitely know that's like a huge important thing for me in a time like this because it is really stressful and it's like all the uncertainty makes, uh, yeah, makes it for a tough time. So I actually told Will that he he needed to do the same uh, just because I think it's really important in a time like this. Uh, So yeah, definitely meditating, maybe not more than usual, but just trying to stay on it uh, because it's good for the head. Yeah, man. Well, I'll have to, um, get you hooked up with the Sufferfest. I think you know, you're familiar with the flat platform, but it's a training platform, but there are also, you know, yoga workouts on or yoga routines on there and strength workouts and also meditation, which I think oh. uh, a lot of athletes and a lot of people in general could be using right now. Yeah, for sure, man. I think it's really good and really helpful. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to check it out. People have asked me like, Oh, what's like, how are things back in Vermont? I'm like, nothing's changed. Like, we went to the grocery store, but we don't really leave <laughs> our property of 10 acres to walk around. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that's great. If you, if you like on lockdown on a giant farm, it's like sweet, you know, like you still have so much room to play. Yeah. My brother flew up here from, or he came up here from Nashville a couple of days ago before things kind of went crazy and his school that he's teaching at has been closed down. So he's decided to build a log cabin out back. So he's taken down a bunch of trees and building a log cabin. <laughs> Actually. So yeah, he is. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. That's awesome. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks so much, Larry. And I'll speak to you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Great talking to Ian. Have a good one. Next, we're going to be jumping back across the pond here to the U.S. and actually out west to speak to my fellow Wahoo Frontiers athlete, Amity Rockwell. Amity, as you well know, is the winner of DK200 2019. She's an awesome gal. She has a lot to say. She has a very strong opinion on coronavirus and how people are handling it. So without further ado, here is Amity Rockwell. Amity, how's it going? It is going. How are you, Ian? I'm doing all right. Well, to be honest, life here in Vermont hasn't changed all that much. <laughs> yeah. I could say similar things about Truckee, I feel like. How has it not changed in Truckee? Oh, you know, I feel like it's kind of like the same thing with all like smaller places. It's like nothing changes until everything changes all at once. So... I realize we haven't left, I haven't left my house in, I guess I did a short bike ride yesterday, but haven't left my house in, goodness, four or five days now, just because we really have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of going back and forth over the week. Well, I guess it was last week, late in the week, you decided to not go to Mid-South. I did as well. Yes. Yes. And you posted a an Instagram kind of with your reasoning behind that. Was that a difficult decision to make or was that pretty easy to come to. Yeah, it it was. I think, you know, you know, better than anybody, the, you know, the sort of pressure to perform that's kind of this, you know, constant 
thing, like overhanging, like, you know, our whole lives as professional athletes that like, you know, that's kind of our reason to keep going and our reason to do anything. And it's like why we have a job is because we show up and we, you know, do things. And so to, you know, consciously make a decision when it was like, I don't know, it seemed like the general like atmosphere surrounding the virus and how people were responding to it was definitely one of, you know, uncertainty and one that kind of put, you know, all the decision making on individuals, like we weren't, you know, at this point yet of, you know, events being forced to reach out and, you know, kind of take initiative on canceling or rescheduling or, you know, kind of being at the front of those decisions. So it was really hard. I ultimately, you know, just try to make, you know, all decisions with my gut and with, you know, but a combination of that and like, you know, the available information to me. I don't know. I just felt like from all the info I had and from, you know, just witnessing the struggle of other countries and other places as, you know, the virus took hold there and then developed, like it was pretty obvious to me, the, you know, impending situation here. And I guess the like potential danger in going anywhere or seeing anybody or, you know, risking that. So I guess, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that like the decision itself was pretty clear cut to me. Executing it was difficult. Yeah, I would agree. I was very much in a similar kind of mindset where like I had just come back from Europe and so I'd been training well and mm-hmm. being in Europe at that time wasn't ideal. But I guess I had like a little bit of foresight into what was coming. So I was, you know, still like I had my bike packed. I was ready to roll. And like you mentioned, like the pressure to perform and like, that's what our livelihood is, is riding the bike and being competitive. And that's what we're you know all gearing up to do. And this was kind of the, one of the, the first big events of the year. And all of a sudden I was like, mm, similar to you, like my gut says I shouldn't go, but my bike is packed. Like I have a flight, like I've made the you know investment. No, I talked to like, you know, several different sponsors about like what tires I was going to run there and like, which, you know, I talked to Canyon about exactly, you know, what setup I was going to be on and like, you know, all of it. I had like plans on Friday to like give an interview here and like hang out with these like high schoolers who were going, which I like felt really cool about. And like, man, yeah. So it's, you know, there's no way around I think kind of framing it mentally as like letting yourself down and letting a lot of people down when you, you know, make that no decision. Well, so how, how did you spend your, your weekend then if you weren't in Oklahoma? What did I do? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mostly just like sat at home and refreshed Instagram and tried to figure out what exactly was going on there when I wasn't there. Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, we got a really big snowfall here, which is, it was gorgeous out and I baked a lot. And yeah, yeah, just, I don't know, spent time at home with my partner, like just kind of wondering, you know, what all was going to happen. But yeah, mostly what I do, I guess, when I'm not, you know, distracting myself on the internet is I bake a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what did you, we were in Colorado, I guess a couple of months ago. Now you've told me we have all the, both of us bake sourdough and I had all the sourdough discard. You told me to make some granola. Um, Yeah. I made a huge batch a week ago and it's, gone already. Have you been baking with your sourdough? <laughs> yes, I have. Well, I think we talked about this a little bit. I um so long story, but my mom's really into baking as well and she's kind of, you know, my entry into it. Like she was keeping a starter alive way before it was like 
the cool thing and like eat all this stuff. And then I, you know, got interested when I moved away from home and could no longer like eat like fresh bread. I was like, well, I kind of, you know, missed out on learning this. So I went back and she taught me everything. And like, we kind of, you know, got further into it together, which was a really, really neat experience. Um, and then the one thing though, is like, she's traditionally just like thrown out, you know, this discard every week with the sourdough, which is just, I guess, to explain to people who don't keep sourdough, um, just something you do to like maintain the culture is you keep kind of like refreshing it with like fresh flour and water. And like you throw away all except like a little bit that's left to kind of like start that process all over again, week to week. So I started just trying to get really inventive with like what I could do with this stuff that I was throwing out because it was still, you know, like it's technically just cultured flour and water and it's actually really good for yeah. you. There's a lot of like natural cultures and stuff going on in there. Um, so yeah. And then we talked about granola. That was like one of my like discoveries I've pro- I'm probably like the most proud of um, because you and I eat a lot of like, you know, breakfast cereals and stuff like that on our way out towards like big rides and stuff. And um, yeah, yeah kind of had this like aha moment where I used it like as a, binder between everything as opposed to like a ton of sugar or a ton of fat and it works awesome and it like kind of gives it a little tang and it's it's delicious i'm so glad you liked it that makes me really happy yeah (laughs) it gives it a lot of crunch sometimes i get like i know sometimes i go down these like rabbit holes of cooking and i'm like does anybody actually like this except me because i'm like so (laughs) weird and healthy about stuff sometimes but i'm happy you liked it Yeah. Um, but yeah, I made, um, I made a loaf of bread that I actually, I've been experimenting with like porridge breads because, um, I recently got like the third edition of the like tartine bakery bread book. And that's all about like whole grains and like porridges in sourdough where you like kind of cook a grain first and then incorporate it into the dough. Um, so over the weekend I made a bread with an amaranth porridge in it and, I made some discard waffles and I cooked some biscotti out of the same book, which are really nice as well. So yeah, (laughs) you know, keeping the oven on during a snowstorm and creating things and distracting myself really. (laughs) Yes. You have been, you've been doing a lot of cooking. Have you been, have you been doing much riding either outdoors or, or inside on your kicker? I have not. I got out on Friday. I went for a kind of ill-advised bike adventure with my boyfriend. And we there's like a mountain bike trail that kind of like comes down like the state line between California and Nevada. That's like a 20 minute drive away for us. Um, and it was a trail that was like kind of, you know, to be honest, like a little bit in over my head in terms of what I can do on a mountain bike right now. But we, up until this weekend, we'd had a really light snowfall year. So we thought like we had a pretty good chance that it would be clear up at the top of there and we could, you know, ride this thing down. But you like ride this fire road up the opposite side of the ridge and then, you know, ride the single track back down. (laughs) And we rode the single track like three quarters. I mean, we rode the fire road up like three quarters of the way and we hit a lot of snow. But I like knew it was my like my last day to ride before the snowstorm. And I was like, it's fine. Like, we'll just like hike the rest of the way up. Like it can't be that bad. And we ended up walking through the snow for a good like hour in like knee to like waist deep snow, just trying to get to the top of this thing. <laughs> and it took like hours more than we'd anticipated, and it was quite the ordeal. But it was a good little adventure, and I got to ride some new stuff on the way down, which is mostly clear. Well, looking at the conditions at Mid South, you probably did an equal amount of walking 
on your ride as you would have done in in mid or mid south with all the mud. Honestly, yeah, that was the whole joke is that like I was training for this thing that I wasn't gonna end up at. But and that's the like super super frustrating thing too is that like any other year, honestly, those would have been like my ideal conditions. Like I kind of you know thrive when things aren't based on speed alone. And last year at Mid South was so fast. It was so straightforward. There was like literally 10 meters of mud on the whole course. And I didn't do that well. I got fourth and like had a really hard time and didn't really enjoy myself and was like, where's the fun part? So any other year I would have been, you know, overjoyed to participate in a mud fest, but I'm sure it'll happen again. Well, what's what's coming up next? I mean, I just saw that Belgian Waffle Ride was postponed until November. Potentially, Dirty Kanza would be the next event on the calendar. They haven't announced anything regarding their decision whether the event goes forward or not. What are your plans for the next couple of weeks? I don't know. I'm just trying to, like, you know, stay open-minded and kind of, you know, take this thing as it comes. Um, I think that's really all any of us can do. And I guess that does kind of, you know, bring us to like, I don't know, a conversation I've had a few times with like, I posted on Instagram and I kind of, you know, non-specifically, but definitely, you know, called out a few events for like, you know, trying to press on and trying to still like hold things, but like in safe ways, which I honestly just don't think is a possibility right now. And I kind of, you know, made a statement about that and said it really was inappropriate and short-sighted and narrow-minded and all this shit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I had, I had a lot of feelings about that. And then somebody, you know, reached out to me and they're like, well, how do you feel about, you know, all these other events, like slightly later who are like, we're monitoring the situation and honestly, like kind of feel differently about that just in terms of like, mentally for me like I've never really needed a reason to ride but a reason to like train specifically is super helpful to me and even if like you know things aren't looking good for June even if you know realistically we may have to be talking about like you know a Kansas in the fall just to like have that incredibly tentative date on the calendar is really helpful to me in terms of being like you know here are the things I need to do now to be ready for this then regardless. And so I'm just grateful to have that to work towards, um, whether it happens or not. And I'm, yeah, I don't know, trying to be optimistic, but not so optimistic that I'm, you know, devastated when it doesn't happen, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's the thing right now is everything is moving so quickly and changing so rapidly. It's hard to set any specific goals, but it sounds like the thing you need to do right now is hang out and bake more bread. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm appreciating it. I honestly, like in a weird way, just feels like a second chance at an off season, which, you know, in a lot of ways is my favorite time of the year anyways. <laughs> well, it's kind of that difficult balance because if things do get pushed back far enough into the year and into the autumn and early winter, then this may be, I mean, this maybe is an, ex, you know, an extension of the off season because races will be, you know, especially in warmer climates, Belgian waffle ride is going to be in, I think, November 8th. and then you know, before you know it, it's Thanksgiving and holiday season. So it's, uh, everything's just being pushed back, which in my opinion is actually kind of nice that, you know, you get to enjoy, especially living in Vermont. It's like riding outside right now is, is challenging. That was one cool thing to come out of this is that I initially was not going to come out to Rasputitsa, but they put out a post like saying they were canceling and I just sent them a nice message like, Hey, I think this is, you know, the really like, you know, smart thing to do. And I want to thank you guys for like being proactive about that. 
and then they sent me a message and we just started chatting and like I'm uh, you know if things are good in July like I'll be there and that's awesome I've never been so awesome well um if you do come out to the event it just it's like 30 minutes from my house so that's awesome yeah I've I've never really been involved in any east coast activities so you're welcome to come and stay and uh <laughs> until so then stay healthy <laughs> stay well and uh keep us posted, maybe post some pictures of your bread on your Instagram and we can, uh, you know, Ted King got his barn. Maybe you can have your breads. Keep me updated on all your sourdough adventures too. I will. Pro Ian Boswell like to make sourdough at home. So, well, so <laughs> I'm uh, learning from the best. So thank you so much, Amity. We heard Amity mention Raspatitsa, which leads us nicely to our next guest. Next, we have Heidi Myers. She is the race director and promoter of Raspatitsa, an event here in Vermont. Raspatitsa is a big spring event here, usually held mid-April. It has just been postponed until late July. And Heidi is going to talk about the difficulties in changing an event, the potential long-term ramifications of that, but also about the support of the community in making that decision once the choice was made. So let's hear from Heidi. Hey, Heidi. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a... uh... Surprised to see a little bit of snow here this morning. Do you guys have snow up there? Yeah, a little bit. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat this morning. I'm sure that you are very busy with everything and kind of navigating this challenging time. Yeah, I think the world's busy with everything. Yeah, I was uh, thinking that maybe things would slow down, but I guess the internet still works. So (laughs) it hasn't. True, true. You know, before we dive into kind of how things have changed. First off, thank you for inviting me to your event. I was uh, disappointed when I saw that Sea Otter and your event were at the same time. And I knew that a lot of athletes would be coming out here for Rasputitsa from California. And I would be flying to California for an event when there was Rasputitsa just 30 minutes away from my house. So um, yeah, thank you for the invitation to come to your event. Of course. Uh, we, we hope to make it to your event in the fall. Well, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, I, I'm actually curious. I know my wife kind of shared something with you a few years back when I was racing at Katusha and we had a lot of Russians on the team. How did the name Raspatitsa come about? Because it is a Russian word for mud season. How do you guys, do you have Russian heritage in the family or where do you come up with the name? We don't. The name Raspatitsa is Russian for mud season. Um, there's actually some Cold War history in the East Haven area of the Northeast Kingdom, which was near our original route. There is actually a radar tower up mountainside that was established in the 60s, 50s, 60s, maybe, to you know watch for Russian spies. <laughs> and it was a pretty extravagant military site. There was a bowling alley and whatnot, which it's now all in ruins. And, the, you know, there's there's more Russian history to the Northeast Kingdom. There's also a missile base in North Troy. So we were just looking for a unique name and kind of found the word Rasputitsa, which, which, you know, is the time in the spring where everything thaws and roads are hard to navigate. So it just seemed fitting. Yeah, I actually went up to that. Uh, old radar tower, I guess it was last summer, Ted King and I rode up there and it's eerie. I was like, this is, there's so much up here, but it's all, it's all been abandoned and it's, it's a heck of a climb to get up there, but it's uh, very strange when you get to the top. Very strange. Yes. Yeah. Well, so how many years now have, is 2020, it's, is this your 10th anniversary of Rasputitsa? This is our seventh year of Rasputitsa. I think our 
10th year of actually doing gravel races. So we started with a race called the Dirty 40, uh, and we did that for three years prior to Rasputitsa, but it was held in the fall, and we just felt like there was a little congestion in that time of year with events. And um, I have a child that is very involved in football, <laughs> so that's a busy time for me. So Yeah, well hopefully hopefully we can get to to number 10 so kind of looking at this spring and how things have changed you know i was planning on heading out to mid south and you know events slowly started to disappear from the calendar or be postponed or change dates what kind of led to to you deciding to to change the date of the event and what was kind of taken into consideration you know i know we spoke a little bit online just about you know the impact on the community and their involvement both you know, making this event possible, but also maybe their concerns. What were your considerations when you guys decided to postpone the event to July 25th? Yeah, it was a very hard process. And um, I think everyone can agree that things moved rapidly. So, you know, we're the first to admit that our demeanor probably wasn't on par as it should have been. (laughs) But I, I don't think myself personally, you know, didn't realize the the gravity of the situation at, at first. And then, you know, with, uh, you know, Mid-South, I mean, many uh, event organizers had to make quick decisions. And those seem like easy decisions from outside the bubble. But uh, I think event organizers shoulder a little bit of the world's troubles in some ways, because, you know, we realized the impact that this would economically have to our community that it would potentially, you know, put Rasputitsa out of business for 2021 and and whatnot. But we've always, Anthony and I have always put our rider safety first. So in that aspect, the decision just became easy to make because we realized that this was a potential threat against rider safety. Yeah, well, I appreciate your you sharing that because it is it is tough, you know, and, you know, some events, you know, thankfully you guys had a little bit more time to make a call than this didn't happen all, you know, a week prior to the event happening. And do you run it or do you not? But it's definitely, uh, it's challenging because, you know, our event here in Peachum is much smaller than Rasputitsa, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, it's a year planning and getting stuff together and to move dates. You know, you guys moved the date relatively quickly. And I know that Peter Vollers was out at out of Mid-South with Overland Vehicle and, before he'd even returned to Vermont, I saw that both you and uh, the Vermont, I guess not the Overland, but the uh, Vomar, the Maple Adventure Ride, you guys had decided to kind of link up v- events and make July a relatively packed month here in Vermont for some awesome events, what it, it looks like. So did you collaborate much with Peter to, to make those changes together and collectively? Yeah, um, Peter reached out to us, you know, in the midst of Mid-South um, on site there and, you know, told us the the situation that was occurring there. Um, and I mean, we've wanted to partner with Vermont Overland in some capacity for a while now because we just have a really good relationship and um, we both help out at each other's events. So we have a really good communal vibe going on. Um, so, you know, basically we looked for a date. That date at today today might still be unachievable who knows what what's going to happen as things continue to unfold but we you know marked a date on the calendar that worked for existing vendors that we had contractual obligations to venues that you know also have a busy summer schedule with weddings and other events and that seemed the date that worked the best we're still playing things out a bit 
on our end and and you know potentially we we have some ideas in the works i can't you know divulge anything at this point because it's still the world is still really sensitive and and um dealing with this situation um so we're not quick to move this time just because we want to make sure again that july is a good date (laughs) but we are working on some things if you know if the world allows us to go forward with that date. We have all intents and purposes to, but what the world will allow us to do is what we, we don't know at this time. Yeah, well, and that's the, that's the hard thing with kind of the situation currently is things are moving so fast. And, you know, we, a lot of events have been moved and postponed, but we really don't know what, you know, June is going to look like or July. You know, we're all hoping that we can get to back to riding our bikes this summer and participating in these events. I was actually on the phone with Amity Rockwell yesterday um, and she had mentioned to me that you guys had connected online, that she was also able to now come out to the event if it is able to stay in July, which she was thrilled about to be able to come out to Vermont. She actually hasn't ridden much gravel on the East Coast. But I think she, if if the event goes forward in July, I think that Raspatitsa will be a very enjoyable event for myself. I'm not a huge fan of the mud, but um, yeah, it, it, I guess it would definitely change the the conditions that people would expect. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, we're, we're riding on positivity right now. I think it's the only wave that people can ride on to get through day to day lives. So that, you know, like we're, we're trying hard to make lemonade from lemons. Yeah. Well, what's been the general feedback from, you know, both from the community and people online, you know, and I know you guys have been very active, you know, keeping engaged with, you know, with your followers and riders who you had planned to attend next month. What's been kind of the feedback? Are people relatively understanding in the fact that you've decided to to change the date and postpone? Has there been any negative pushback? Initially, when we first launched the postponement, um, there was substantial negative feedback. Um, I think the world is still digesting all of this. I think we're still digesting all of this. But then we sent out an email at like, I think it was 5 a.m. or something like that because there was many sleepless nights and just really kind of told our riders our situation and kind of made ourselves a little transparent as to the real situation and, and the effects that this was having on us and those that surround us. And then there was a huge outpouring of support. I think Saturday morning, I woke up at 2 a.m. and I believe I answered like, over 400 emails that day. Wow. And on top of monitoring social. And literally, we, we responded to each and every email that we got, you know, talking to riders on a personal level and, and dealing situations with situations that they were dealing with. I mean, we've had riders reach out to us that have, you know, subsequent to all of this, lost their jobs. So we've dealt with it in a really communal fashion. Um, we've also had great support from outside of our little uh, Vermont bubble, Christy Moan from Dirty Kansas was very supportive through all this and, you know, just reaching out and, and letting us know that she was there. Uh, we reached out to Bobby Wintel and, you know, said that we understand that, you know, he didn't have as much time to, you know, react as, as we did. And, and, you know, in, in times like these, you really have to band together with your community. Um, judgment is easy to make, but it's, it's not, um, actions are harder to make. So, I mean, great outpouring of the community and cooperating with Peter Vollers and Vermont Overland and, you know, bringing the cyclist menu into the loop. And um, I think, you know, we've preached community for a long time now, um, but I, I don't think it ever became as real to us as it is now. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, and you, you see that 
you know, especially up here in the Northeast Kingdom where community is so important, but it's really times like these that you really see people come out of the woodworks and pitch together and support each other. So that's, that's really good to hear. I'm happy to hear that. But yeah, it's, again, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's a difficult situation that, that everyone's in, but I really do hope that come July 25th, I'll be up riding Raspatitsa on beautiful, smooth roads of Vermont. But if anyone is signed up, interested, you guys have been very active on your social medias. Stay in tune. You know, obviously Heidi's here to answer your questions. Don't overwhelm her. But um, yeah, let's just, we'll stay informed and hopefully we'll see you in July. Yeah, we hope so, Ian. Take care. Thank you, Heidi. Jumping back across the Atlantic Ocean to the small principality known as Monaco. Next, we're going to be hearing from my good friend Tiffany Cromwell. She is a world tour rider for the team Canyon SRAM. She's going to share some very good perspective on all of this. She's also going to tell us about the pending 2020 Summer Olympics and her desire to be once again an Australian Olympic athlete. Tiffany, how's it going? Hello. How are you doing? Good. Well, where are you at right now? I'm in Monaco. How is life in Monaco under Corona? virus quarantine lockdown <laughs> uh up until now it's been okay we've been surviving but it sounds like it's getting stricter within every day of how much you can and cannot do like we've still been able to get out and ride up until like yesterday but yeah it's very quiet which is actually quite nice yeah so there's not much traffic riding through the city or in, no in and through nice. it's wonderful wow cyclist paradise yeah. Exactly. So have the, I know that France has like made some restrictions on riding outside. Do those laws automatically apply to Monaco as well? Monaco more or less follows suit with France, but yeah. So technically, yes. Within, you can do physical exercise within three kilometers, but yeah, I heard today that now they're saying no cycling at all, but I don't know how truthful that is or everything else but goodness we've been on quiet roads and haven't had any issues yeah well you you've never been opposed to doing some workouts inside have you been doing a lot of workouts indoors or you still been trying to get out as much as you can while you can to be honest yeah i haven't had to be indoors yet um been doing everything outside but obviously in the coming days you might be restricted to doing indoor workouts um obviously we have the swift platform so that helps makes it more exciting but you know especially because at the moment the weather's been amazing. So it's like, well, we can get out the most of it because you don't know when the last day is. Yeah, that's uh, challenging. We also don't know when you're going to be racing next. Have you had any, I mean, you haven't raced in, what, almost a month now? Yeah, exactly. You know, I've been fortunate that I had the Australian program, so I got a bunch of racing there. And then it was a blessing disguise that I got thrown into Het Newsbud because originally I was meant to start my European season with Strata. And then... For some reason, other people within the team change their program. So they're like, oh, you have to race that news, but now. And originally I was a bit like, mm, you know, but now I'm like, well, that was the last race and we don't know where the next one is. So I am fortunate to have somewhere as some of my teammates haven't had a single race this year. So, but it is hard when you don't know where the next race is. But everyone, all sports around the world are in the same boat at the moment. Yeah, and your boyfriend is an F1 driver. And they've started to cancel and postpone some of their events as well, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. You know, they're predicting at the earliest a June restart. So if you look at us as well, everything's been cancelled to the end of April. June, even the women's tour of Britain has been postponed. So it's like when you actually look at what races still are, 
and nothing's looking that hopeful at the moment. So what's your kind of plan of attack? Are you going to still continue to train or are you thinking about taking a little mini off season and so you, when you do come back that you have more motivation to, to kind of put in those miles, you're going to keep rolling or are you going to take a little, take a little pause? Yeah, definitely I'll keep rolling, you know, like not being super specific at the moment, just having just a couple of relax weeks, just doing what I want. But, you know, obviously I want to stay in shape because also I enjoy working out, I enjoy riding my bike, but also make the most of, you know, like the other day went for a hike because we could, you know, those sorts of things and why you still can. But then within the next week, going to put together a structure program because there are still things on the table that we need to be good for and ready for. You know, there's still the question mark of the Olympics. And if they go ahead and with that, how we do the selection. So you still need to obviously keep that motivation focus and show that you have some kind of form and also so you're ready for when the racing does resume. Have you... So, you know, we'll still be focused and motivated to do things, but also it's a chance to refine perhaps the weaknesses or explore other training that you hadn't done before. What kind of puts things in perspective that, you know, we go as athletes, you go to so many events and you're like, oh, I don't really want to be here. Maybe that was your opinion at first of going to news blog, like, oh, I don't really want to be here, but I'll do it because it's my job and you know, I'll be training for the next event. And looking back on it, you're like, oh, wow, I'm really glad I went. And you're going to really, I think a lot of athletes are going to start to appreciate every single event once things do come back on the calendar. Oh, completely. You know, like they always say, you don't realize what you have until it's taken away from you. And I think for everyone, this is the perfect example of that because I've been fortunate within my career. I've never had a forced break through injury or illness. I've always been the one who's probably raced the most within the team and stuff like that because I haven't had any speed humps. They've got me the way it's a blessing in disguise to be able to say, okay, we can sit back, enjoy a bit, but then realize actually it is what I love to do and get the motivation back. And no doubt the race will be full gas once we start again. Yeah, definitely. Everyone's going to be coming back racing with a vengeance. Yeah, exactly. And taking any race that they can get, being like, I want to race. I'll be putting their hand up for every race. Yeah, all those late season races that no one wants to go to, they're going to be <laughs> overwhelmed yeah. with riders. Definitely. Well, you are definitely a candidate for. AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport Olympic team, have you heard anything from the Federation as far as how they're going to make, I mean, whether the event happens or not is one thing, but then you have to look at how did they qualify and select athletes if there's no or very few races leading up to the to the Olympics. Have you heard anything from the Federation? Exactly. Well, from the Federation side, we've only just given updates on how, how they're handling the situation, how measures will be put in place or changed as needed, if needed. So, you know, Australia is one that selects early, um, selects the most to be done after the Ardennes. But, yeah, we actually haven't had their plan of attack of how they're going to put everything together. You know, whether it's we're just going to have to throw in tests or, or this or that, because obviously a number of races have been put under the banner, but still, you know, if no one's raced within two months, it is it is a question. It's like how we pick because people are motivated, people will not be motivated. Um, so we just have to wait and see. And I'm they're good at keeping us informed of the happenings of everything and, you know, when they come up with a plan of attack, I guess, when everybody knows a bit more, I'm sure we'll be told what we need to do and to put our best foot forward, you well, know, to try make the team. Yeah, well, let's hope that let's hope that things return to normal in time for the Olympics because that would be obviously a big event that would be more difficult to postpone or change than many other events. But in the meantime... While you're not racing, how are you going to fill your time? I know you love cooking. 
I know you do a lot of haircutting and all sorts of little crafty projects. What are you going to get into to occupy your free time when you're not traveling and racing? Yes, you know, it's a time just to enjoy doing different things. Um, obviously, it's a chance to spend more time with my boyfriend. And it's time to, yeah, cook. I'm enjoying that a lot because obviously with restaurants and bars and everything else closed, it's actually forcing us to cook, which I don't mind, but sometimes you do get a bit lazy or, you know, when you're travelling all the time and only home for a few days at a time, you get a bit slack with that. So exploring different recipes, coming up with creative ideas. Um, also got a bit of a gin collection, so been playing around with kind of various gin drinks, you know, because you can be a bit more relaxed and those sorts of things at the moment, I think. Coffee making, trying to perfect the latte art. And, yeah, just whatever comes up in any given day, you know, I enjoy being creative, doing some design projects if they come up or just, yeah, just finding things to fill the days and just enjoying what we have because a lot of people don't have that and we just have to appreciate, you know, the positives that are still there instead of looking at all the negatives about everything that too many people in this world are doing right now. Yeah, exactly. It's about trying to, you know, taking a step back and enjoying and appreciating the things we do have. And I think in many ways it is an opportunity that we've all been given to actually realize the small things that we have that allow us to to be happy on a daily basis if you know certain aspects of socialization and getting together with other people are taken away yeah definitely you know these are what we keep having to portray instead of the whole message of stay inside this that whatever which we do need to respect that we need to appreciate that and be smart about everything but the flip side is people also become stupid and go, you know, mass rushing to supermarkets and stuff like that, which is actually putting more people in the same place at the same time. It's just being calm and, you know, relaxing and, yeah, like you say, enjoying and appreciating the small things. And, yeah, because there will be an end point for sure. We have to fight through everything. But at the end of the day, it's a few months of our life that's taken away of our normal and it's teaching people to slow down a bit because the world has become so fast-paced and everyone's, you know full gas and probably not taking time to clap themselves whereas now is the time where you can appreciate that and enjoy you know those things that we've probably forgotten about before very wise words tiffany well i'll let you get back to perfecting your latte art and next time i'm down in nice monaco i will come over for breakfast at tiffany's of course always welcome great <laughs> thank you tiffany stay safe and healthy no worries thanks you too and last, but definitely not least, we have Matt Kaysen. Mac is the head of sports physiology at the Wahoo Sports Science Center out in Boulder, Colorado. Mac's going to be sharing some tips on how to stay healthy at this time, how to stay fit, what to do, what to not do, a little bit about nutrition, a lot about sleep, carbohydrates are important. Let's hear from Mac. I am here with Matt Kaysen. Matt Kaysen is the head physiologist at the Wahoo Sports Science Center. Mac, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I am putting together a podcast around coronavirus, and I've already spoken to a few athletes and an event promoter, but I really wanted to speak to you to kind of get your insight as a coach and a physiologist as far as how this virus is affecting athletes you coach and kind of what you recommend as far as training. Do you have any... Uh, I know you've been very busy this week putting training plans together and whatnot. How, uh, how's it all been the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's it's quite impressive how how quickly this is you know escalated over the past couple of weeks. I think one of the you know obviously with, with people in most countries now in self quarantine, um, working from home, you know keeping social distance, it's just in general disrupted a lot of people's lives. Um, which of course is you know as an athlete that's always that can be extra 
um, difficult to deal with if you're already trying to balance training with a normal work schedule and then that all gets thrown out the window. The last week I've actually probably seen more people riding outside during the day than I ever have before. I think it's because everyone is working at home. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, from a, um, you know, from a just general health perspective, it's, you know, there are a lot of people, especially athletes who, you know, generally are fit, have good immune systems that, you know, don't need to personally worry about, you know, being grave danger themselves. But what's, you know, what's important to, to realize is that this is such a easily transferable disease that, you know, people who are healthy taking precautions is going to do a lot of people, you know, a lot of good. And so while it is difficult to deal with these massive upheavals, you know, in the long-term grand scale of things, you know, sacrificing a few races and some normal training is, you know, pretty small, small sacrifice to make. Yeah. Well, I know you were working with Sufferfest on making a new kind of, uh, I don't want to say coronavirus training plan, but a training plan kind of during this time when people are training inside, what are you looking at as a coach and from like a physiological standpoint to implement in training? Is it an increase in volume and a decrease in intensity just to help keep your immune system high? Or what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. So one of the, so there's a, a pretty well known fact called the, it's called the J curve, which is if you could imagine just a, basically what a J looks like. And if you put that a, across a graph and that, you know, a bit of exercise, moderate exercise will improve someone's immune system. So if you view on that one, the Y axis is, you know, chance of a respiratory infection. And so if you do no exercise, you consider that the baseline of, you know, whatever, like three in every thousand people. Yeah. It's actually how many days a year you're supposed to be sick. But anyway, as you exercise, your chance of getting sick drops. Once you start to increase that exercise, whether intensity or volume, then you actually start to increase your chance of getting sick because you actually are, your immune system is getting compromised because you're putting it under so much stress from training. And so, yeah, so a big, a big shift for that a lot of people are going to have to make, you know, is making sure that they're not overreaching. And that means, you know, having any sort of drastic uptick in volume or intensity, which for some people is going to be challenging just because, you know, they have more, potentially have more time to train if they're working at home or if they're, they're bored because they can't do anything else. Um, so the, the plans in particular that we're working on um, are lower intensity than our normal plans would be, but there's also a significantly greater number of um, yoga sessions and, and strength sessions than what our normal plans are just to, you know, use the extra time indoors to take advantage of the benefits you get out of those types of things. And then also just to keep, you know, help keep the sanity of if you're someone who can't stand to ride the trainer and you're stuck inside for a month, you know, there's other stuff you can do that's not riding a trainer that can still be beneficial to you in the coming season. Definitely. And that's one thing that I was only recently turned on to with Sufferfest is that, you know, I knew it was a, a training platform for riding inside, but then I realized I'm like, wow, there are all these other features to the website, an app that you, you know, you have yoga, you have core training, you have stretching, meditation. I mean, there's essentially a, a complete and wide reaching network of workouts in there, regardless of your training plan. Um, and probably in this time more specifically, it's probably really important that people do use their free time for yoga and meditation. Is there much science behind that to show increased like immune system through yoga and meditation? Well, there's, there's certainly good science to back up the fact that, you know, reducing stress, like stress in any form is 
stress, whether that's work stress, life stress, training stress. And, you know, there's plenty of work and life stress going along with everyone right now. And it is shown that increased levels of stress increase your chance of getting sick. And so on the flip side, it's it's been decently well shown that meditation, yoga, sort of the mental training side of things can significantly reduce levels of stress. Now, to my knowledge, there hasn't been anything, you know, that directly connects those dots between decreased stress from doing yoga and meditation to decreased chance of getting sick. But it's anecdotally, and if you just understand the systems going on there, that yeah, the yoga and mental training stuff will reduce your stress. And so at a time like this, it's certainly not going to hurt, but I would say that it should definitely help. Definitely. As, as a coach and as a physiologist, what would you be telling athletes now whose kind of target or key events this spring and early summer have been either postponed or, you know, canceled altogether? How do you, how do you address that? Do you recommend people still train or is this a time for all athletes, whether professional or not, to maybe tone things back a little bit and, you know, still train, but the volume, the intensity doesn't need to be there because for almost every sport across the globe, it's been temporarily postponed or suspended. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, a big part is, is mentally coming to terms with that and, and being able to reshift what your goals are. I know for a lot of people, that's, it can be really challenging when there are plenty of people who, I mean, for, at the professional level, the spring classics, but even if you just look at amateurs like the, the you know, like the Roubaix Font and Grand Fondo and stuff like that are massive goals for thousands of people every year. So, you know, the first thing is kind of just accepting it and then trying to establish new goals. But in a situation like this, which is kind of unprecedented, you know, for the athletes I'm working with, the, the shift is, okay, not a specific race goal, but let's just look at, okay, what are internal goals that you can set yourself that we can still work towards that aren't dependent on your race in July going through. So, you know, being able to shift that target that you have is is the important first step. Second to that, then, yeah, I'd, I'd say that right now is not a time to really be, you know, hammering, hammering away the training and really upping what you're doing. Um, part of that is just that once this is, once the quarantine time has ended and people are you know, back outside, everyone's going to be riding a lot when they get back outside because they've missed it. And so you have to anticipate that the first two, three weeks, everyone's back outside riding again, they're going to, the volume is certainly going to be higher than what it normally would be. So if you go into that period, you know, in a super deep hole from just smashing yourself on the trainer every day, you know, that's going to probably lead to more, your season will be worse for it than if you just kind of take it chill right now and just focus on more maintaining your fitness rather than trying to drive it forward. Yeah. It's almost like a, a second off season for quite a few athletes. I was speaking to Amity Rockwell earlier and she had mentioned that it's sometimes hard to, to push yourself in training when you don't really know what you're training for. And I guess if anything, for a lot of people, it's a question of why do you train? Is it for the, the health side of it or is it for the performance side? And I think a lot of us will wind up finding that it's a little bit of both. You know, we do love exercising for the way it makes us feel, but we also love having targets and specific goals to work towards. Oh yeah. It's definitely, it can, you know, especially on the, you know, professional or hyper-competitive side of things, it can be really difficult for, for some people to, you know, keep on the gas if, the, if their training is uncertain. I remember um, Evelyn Stevens before uh, the, the Rio games, you know, there were the arbitrations going on for her spot. And so the whole, you know, several months leading into the Olympics that year, 
she, she, you know, talking with her, she was having these ebbs and flows of just like trying to go smash myself in training. But then I have this thought that the race I'm training for is just not going to be there at all. And so a, a, the big thing that came out of that was, you know, focusing on, all right, let's just, you know, you should focus on being as fit as you can. If you get a race, that's awesome. If not, you still, you know, you've worked hard and you won't have any regrets. I feel a lot of times for, for that situation, people, competitive people especially, will beat themselves up more if they don't prepare fully and then show up and underperform than if they, you know, do all the training they need to and then end up not even being able to race. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a difficult situation. Well, in closing, do you have any other advice you'd like to share with listeners of the podcast when it comes to, to training, general health, mental health, anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. So, I mean, like this, this time in particular, again, like the, you, sh you should, everyone's focus should be on staying healthy. And, you know, part of that, there's certain things in training that you can do to, you know, decrease the likelihood of, of getting sick. You know, a, a big one, especially for a lot of people nowadays that, you know, fasted riding is, and like ketogenic diets are a really big, big craze right now is, is carbohydrate ingestion after exercise, especially intense exercise, does a lot of significantly helps your immune response. So now is not the time to be doing, you know, two hour fasted rides or smashing out intervals and then going and eating a steak and nothing else <laughs> afterwards. So, you know, keeping up on the, the carbohydrates is a big one and, you know, staying hydrated, especially if people aren't used to training indoors or riding indoors, you know, they can, it's a lot easier to get, you sweat a lot on the trainer, so you can get dehydrated fairly easily. So, you know, staying on top of that. And then this is always true, but it's good to push it home now. It's just, you know, sleep, high quality sleep. That's the best recovery tool you have. It's the best immune tool you have. So just focusing on getting your full eight hours is really critical. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mac. And I hope that everything goes well. I hope everything returns to normal so I can come back out to Boulder this summer, hopefully, and do another half Monty and see if my, uh, see if my VO2 max has gone up at all. Yeah. I'm excited to, to get you, get you back hooked up and see what serious training has done for you. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mac and stay safe and healthy and hope all continues to go well out in Colorado. Thank you. You too. Thank you all for listening to this special episode of breakfast with Boz detours. Please subscribe to the show. As I look at my calendar, I have no events in the near future, which means I have more time to podcast, more time to field questions from you. So don't be afraid to leave a comment or hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, maybe even Facebook, and I'll try to get back to you. And I do appreciate your feedback. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>